Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Pocket Rocket podcast. I am joined in this episode by Darren Farrell. Hi, Darren. Hey, how are you? Thank I'm you. Good. How are you? I'm good. Good, good. Thank you very, very much for joining me for this. Um, I wanted to bring you on to this episode of The Man Behind the Muscle because you are very open on social media um, and you've been quite open with your struggles with kind of your mental health and like your progression through the industry and helping your clients. And I kind of wanted to get to know you a little bit more because what some people may not know about you is you actually come from um, like a university degree in economics and business science and things like that. And I think a lot of people would see a big bodybuilder and not actually know that there's all this kind of background and substance and education behind it all. Yeah, very much so. I think that's, uh, I don't think many people know that about me. So um, it's not much, I don't know. I don't talk about it much. It's like a different life my university days and stuff so let's get stuck in then (laughs) (laughs) um what do you want to know so am I right in saying that you've like a lot of the men behind the muscle that have been on this podcast um that you started with sport at quite a young age and you were always kind of heavily into some sport of some description yeah I was pretty much brought up to play sport if I'm honest uh, both my parents were athletes, so as soon as like as soon as I could walk, I was in gymnastics, so my mobility would be good. Um, and then I was playing, played hockey and football straight away from like the age of four or five, um, competitively in both always all the way up. Um, you know, playing football so, uh, in in academies, hockey for all the way scouted for like potential like academies for going into my provincial, went on to play provincial, like under 16, under 18, under 21, senior. Uh, same with Ireland, played underage, all the way up, uh, represented, in, represented Ireland in every age group um, for hockey. And then in when I went to secondary school, um, the school I went to played both hockey and rugby. And a lot of my friends played rugby, so I took up playing rugby as well. And I only ever did it just to keep fit. Um, but it turned out to be quite good. I uh, went into the academies for Munster um, and played until I was 21, 22. With, and then injuries and other things. And that's, I kind of finished with my sporting career then. Mm-hmm. Um, I retired from all sports at 23. So. And you kind of say that it was from your parents being athletes and ingrained in you from birth. Yeah. So what did your parents do for sports? Uh, my mum played hockey and my dad played professional football. So um, they just always just supported me. Like, obviously, I loved it. It was all I ever wanted to do. And subsequently, it's what got me, you know, everything I have in life, to be honest, because it was sport. The only reason I went to university was to play sports initially. Um, and then I had sports scholarships and on. And that's why I went on to do master's and stuff. Um, my mum my likes to think that I, I wanted an educator, but it was always <laughs> it was about playing sport, really. Um, I just so happened to be do quite well in university as well. Um, but sport was always my main focus. Like everything I did was set up around it. You know, my choices and what I did daily. Everything was. I think that's why I've transitioned to bodybuilding so well because I lived a pretty routine 
based life all my life. So um, it's quite, it comes quite naturally to you to yeah, yeah. sacrifice for sport. Well, there, was, there was periods where it was party focused, but uh, no, for the most most part, I've always just been focused on sport. Yeah, um, and it's quite unusual to see someone be quite so good at sport and be quite academic as well I think you tend to get one or the other it's not often that you see someone that can do both it's not because I (laughs) I'll be honest it's not but academics kind of just happened um I wasn't exactly very studious or anything but I have a very good memory which (laughs) helped for cramming for exams when I had to and I, I, I was very interested in like economics and things like that when I actually when I founded in university. Um, mainly I had I remember I had one lecturer who, who taught everything through uh, based on gambling. So I took <laughs> more interest in that. Um, so I was always quite interested. And uh, I've always been very good at maths because my my grandfather just before I could talk taught me like counting on the abacus and stuff, which for some reason then I just I stuck with being quite mathematical. So, um, yeah, just, it was just, I don't know. I never particularly tried that hard with, with academics or anything, but um, I know it was always just taught to me it was important to do. So, you know, I, I kind of followed suit. I suppose that lends to the structure of bodybuilding, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I Knowing mean, yeah. that it's not necessarily a want, it's just a need. You just, you just do it because you have to do it. Yeah. And it had, a per- had its perks as well, staying in university and doing masters and stuff, avoided work and things like that for yeah. quite a while. So you say, obviously, you kind of ended up in education through the want to continue sports, but then going yeah. into economics and business, what made you think, well, I want to do that? And, and a lot of people might have gone in with like a sports science or something. So it's quite a jump to make I actually went in initially in the university doing um, maths and uh, didn't like it because I just didn't fit in with the people in the course yeah (laughs) (laughs) Um, so I then I think I I finished my first semester passed my first set of exams and just uh, I transferred over and did uh, economics Um, and I just did it because it was kind of a broad spectrum subject that gave me kind of opportunities. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought about doing like uh, architecture, finance, um, um, MSIS, management science information system studies. But I remember my mom just telling me, if you're like, is this what you want to do? And I was like, I don't know. So I went with a more broad uh, subject that could lead into a lot of things. Okay. Because oh, I was about to say on the same kind of thought process of your mum there of what what was the end goal with that then there wasn't really one to be honest I, I kind of just um you know I, I like like a lot of people education you just you're taught finish school go to university you know and for me from my side I was like university is fun so why not um and then yeah I guess after my first year doing economics I, I enjoyed it quite a bit um so I kept it, kept it on and finished, got, got my degree. And then I, I went into a, a master's in international business. Um, just to be honest, the opportunity arose from uh, an offer from a hockey club to go play. And 
for them and they, they uh, I was like I kind of joined the two of them together so I moved and went to a different university and played hockey like semi-professionally just came back to the sport again then yeah pretty. <laughs> um and when you got your master's what happened after that what was your first experience of work and uh so when I was doing that master finishing that master's was uh when I sort of started getting um, injuries and stuff and I was very much like having to do, that was the first time I hurt my knee quite bad and I uh, ended up in the gym doing rehab and that's when I started transitioning to enjoying the gym and things like that. Funny enough, first night was, uh, I used to do spinning classes like three times a day because I couldn't do impact on my knee. So I was, yeah. I was spinning, so I was actually doing spinning classes and I just sort of, I don't know, I just sort of started getting into the gym from that. Um, before I'd even had the whole, I think my uh, thesis was due in in September, um, and I, I got got it wrong. I, I thought it was due in in August, so I handed it in in August, and uh, went away for the summer. And while I was away, I kind of decided then that I wanted to, do, you know, pursue something in fitness. So I went and started doing my um, my PT qualifications and basic nutrition, and then uh, applied or uh, distance learning masters in nutrition. Um, so and it didn't really go into work as such. <laughs> okay, that's quite interesting then. So you you stayed in, essentially, you stayed in education till 23, 24, would that be fair to say? Yeah, I think it was, technically I finished when I was 22, but my, um, my masters in business didn't finish until like the following year. So I was still, in education when I was 23 but I'd finished everything I needed to previous. Did you just go into online coaching after that or did you spend some time Uh, working in gyms? No I I went so I I did my um, PT qualifications and I I was lucky enough I I got a a job working in a it was like a private kind of a gym there was like two owners of this like studio and they were very successful with PT. So they, they hired me to become one of their PTs in there. So I literally, I worked, um, I used to start like 5 a.m. and do back-to-back PTs to like 2, 3 p.m. And then most days I'd come back in at like 4 p.m. until 8, 9 p.m. Wow. Um, I was also like, my, I started then was my first ever show. So I, I prepped during that. Um, so I remember doing cardio at like 4 a.m. And then training at 11, 11 p.m. every night. Um, so That's yeah, I did that. Day. I think I did that for about eight months, maybe a bit longer, and started doing online uh, towards the end of it. And then just went full time online. I oh, don't blame you after starting at four and finishing at eleven or twelve o'clock at night. No, to be, to be honest, it was it was a really enjoyable. Like it was a good place to work. Those guys became two of my two close friends at the time, and you know they, they just let me kind of do do my own thing. And there was a good community in there. It was very much like you mm. knew everyone. It was all regulars. They there was like three people booked in for every every time slot, and just mm. everyone was good. So, did that environment introduce you to competing, or did that come from elsewhere? And. Um, Competing kind of just happened. Um, I was training in another gym, and uh, I was just, you know, just wanted to get. I wanted to get lean, um, so I just did my own kind of 
diet, training, everything. Uh, looking back on it, it was like stupid dieting. But I got really lean and I decided uh, I'd do a photo, photo shoot with a photographer guy that I came in contact with. And uh, when I was just after that shoot, someone said to me, oh, you should do this show. So I just rocked up and did this show. Didn't have a clue about it, nothing. Didn't know how to pose, anything like that. And it was like, a, I think it was a NABA show. And uh, did like, it's like Mr. The class I did was basically like classic, but they called it Mr. Body Ireland or something. And I came third in it. And after the show, some kind of older guy who knew me, lived like near me, said I should come to his gym and teach me a bit more. So I did, and he kind of took me under his wing, and I competed then a couple of weeks later in a, a national show and ended up winning the under-75 bodybuilding. Um, no idea how or anything, but <laughs> that, kind of, that, that started, and then I kind of got the bug for it and just continued. I think I did two more shows the following year and then took a break for a couple of years after that. And now looking back with your progression to where you are now, and obviously turning pro in 2019, um, do you, would you say the buzz you got from those first couple of shows is the same buzz you get now all these years later? Um, I think it's, it's different now. It's, I think at first I just, bodybuilding at first was like coming up in Ireland, it was, you know, you just did it to, to kind of as a to to look better or whatever, and it was like very much a small scale. Like I remember being told, people talking about like, oh, nobody from Ireland ever turns pro or anything like that. It's not, it's not possible. You know, you don't do it. So that was it. Was never kind of a goal of mine to go, go that far with it. I just always kind of enjoyed it. And um, now it's it's very much for me. It's it's like a day to day sense of like fulfillment purpose you know mm. I do it because I enjoy structure um I very much have to have like structure to to kind of keep me you know moving forward and um, you know to have like goals daily and things like that um so it's not really about uh, a winning kind of our progression within bodybuilding really to be honest for me so it's got it's different it's more for like mental sanity <laughs> from, mm-hmm. from the last. Um, do yeah, you find just, sorry no no go on. do you find that when you are in prep that you say that mental sanity do you find you are better at kind of controlling that and feeling more I suppose in control of every aspect of your life when you're prepping um I'm, I'm the same all year round. <laughs> uh, those closest to me would, would like joke about that. I'm more on prep and off season than people on prep. Okay. I don't. I don't deviate from like a structure or a plan ever. Um, you know, it's, I think that's what makes makes why I've been able to progress the way I have the last like couple of years is that I'm. I just I'm not off ever. Yeah. Um, I enjoy it. I enjoy the lifestyle and. You know, I've very much found a way to kind of be balanced with it all and still be full on, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it's important as well that you're not just, not you specifically, but everyone, if you want to take this sport seriously, it's not 
off season I mean there is the joke of people going oh can we just call it off season like it's always been called don't start calling it improvement season but it is isn't it you have to live and breathe it all year it's and it makes it I think that makes it that bit easier then when it does come time to prep because nothing really changes other than you know your calories a little bit lower yeah you don't get the thumbs up to have that off-plan meal yeah (laughs) yeah so that's it. Like my, my day-to-day life is always the same, whether it's prep or off season. Mm. Um, you speak about that progression that you've made and it has been quite rapid within the last few years, just looking back at some of your older pictures to now. Um, yeah. And I would say the same for Bex as well. She's made massive improvements in the last few years. So it yeah. obviously speaks volumes about how you two do live your lives that you've been able to make such quite rapid improvements i suppose yeah so i think for us it really is a lifestyle like we work in it we live it day to day um we enjoy it like don't don't get me wrong we, we still like we'll go out on date nights cinema things like this and, but we i think especially being over here um the lifestyle is very accepted and you know easy to kind of do without feeling guilty about it you mm-hmm. know? Being pressured by family and people to to do certain things be a certain way you just you live your own life out here and do do it as you want and there's quite a big community of fitness people out here mm-hmm. uh, so it's it's uh, very accommodating for us you know and for those that are listening and they don't know where darren is he is uh, <laughs> living in dubai living the life in the sunshine <laughs> hasn't been affected by the lockdowns in the same way as the rest of us have <laughs> oh yeah thankfully not yeah we did have a lockdown last year for i think we were locked for like eight ten weeks it was early on in the lockdowns wasn't it that you kind of yeah. got shut down like we, like we were full full on lockdown here mm. like not allowed to leave your leave your home <laughs> mm. how was that with um kind of adapting that structure that you enjoy and thrive on for that being taken away and for someone like you would say yourself that struggles with your mental health how was that for you uh, I didn't let it get taken away I, I bought a gym and set it up in my house so uh, I still trained my exact same way nothing nothing changed just my, my living room got turned around <laughs> that is brilliant you're like yeah. no that's not I'm not doing that <laughs> <laughs> at the time um, I, I lived in a, an apartment building with and it was the same building as Jamie DeRigo um, so he was two floors up so we literally just we had a conversation one day spoke to someone got everything delivered to mine like the next day and we had a full full like uh, rack smith machine cables leg press hack squat everything so we just wow. did training as, as is for the eight weeks how was that then separating your home kind of I I guess chilled environment from your training environment um I guess it didn't really get so like I don't know we uh we had the the couch and the tv sort of in the background of it you know it's quite funny I think uh it was like rx muscle or one of them posted uh a clip of us squatting. Us squatting, you can see Beck sitting on the couch in the background doing work. You know, this was like <laughs> the dog just relaxing there, and like Jay, Jamie and me, like squatting with five plates aside in the living room. 
So yeah, I mean, it was it is what it was. Like the way we looked at it was, you know, we were very grateful to to be to be able to train and do what we needed to do. So I think we never looked at any negative sides of it. Just happy to be able to continue. Do you think that's a fight or flight in you and it was just like there is no other option it's just I'm doing this like there was no second thought like honestly I think I've I've spoken to clients like this who've been in lockdown and I don't know how I would have coped Mm. not being able to train you know it brings me so much clarity and like it allows me to go by day to day it gives me like a relief you know Mm -hmm. Um, so I I don't know how I would have coped personally Um, but I just didn't let myself have to you know, deal with that. Mm. Um, you know, I was, I don't think there's ever a situation where I would have just not trained. I would have found a way to do it. Mm. I suppose if you were in the UK, you might have had more flexibility to speak to a gym owner you knew or something, um, whereas some of the other guys did. Yeah, I think so. The UK had rules if you were, if you did, if you are a professional, you were allowed training gyms. So, yeah, the elite sports person loophole. Yeah. Which they didn't so, promote, so therefore gym it. owners didn't know about it. Yeah, because I remember, I think it was uh, Rhea Gale we had to tell. She didn't mm. have a clue. Mm. Yes, love the UK government. <laughs> well, here they had no such rule. It's just, you know, it's closed, that's it. You know, yeah. We had a friend who owns a gym here who he was like, oh, you can have keys to the gym we're going to go in and use it but uh about a week later before we even had the chance to use it he uh he rang and said he was in there himself in the office the police came in they told him to get out he wasn't allowed in there himself nothing you know. so when you say it was like stay in your house were they like policing the streets they had to apply for permits just to go to the shops and stuff wow yeah they said there was fines and things like this for like if your car they switched all the you know the cameras on the roads mm. to just flash out your number plate. So if your car was picked, you'd get a fine automatically unless you had a permit. But um, I remember I, I went out a few times and got flashed. I never received a fine in or something. But, right. Um, yeah, everyone thought there was. There may, may have been. I may have just got away with it or something. I don't know. But um, yeah, you weren't supposed to leave without a permit to the shops. So it had to be within a certain radius of your home. Um, you know, people just... It, I don't know, Dubai's like a place where people just abide by the rules. If the rules there, people just just follow it, you know. And that's I think that's why we're now pretty much back to normal. Mm. And on that topic of Dubai, when did you move out there and what made you move out there? Coming up five years this August. Um we we got in we and Bex got engaged and we were due to get married in the July. And I think in like the end of May, June, we were just sitting there talking and we were like, London doesn't really, it's not a home to us. You know, we didn't see ourselves like progressing anything there. You know, it was so expensive. We were in debt and we were just like, let's look at other opportunities. And we got talking to some people and then Becky, Becky was working in education at the time. So she looked at it and opportunity arose for her to get a job out here working as a in education as a teacher and obviously with me I can do whatever do what I do anywhere and we're just like let's go for it so I think in June we took the decision we were going to move to uh, Dubai in August so uh, we packed up our house 
shipped our ship stuff to Dubai, put stuff in storage. Then we went to Greece uh, the beginning of July for the month, got married, flew back to England for like a day or two, and then flew straight to Dubai. And just, we, we planned initially on just being here a year or two just to save money. And when we got here, we just kind of fell all over the place and it's just got, you know, got better and better for mm. us here. Um, so now I think this is where we consider home. So. I was just about to say it must feel after kind of going for a year and then settling in for the last five, it must just feel like home now. Yeah, we love it here with like we're friends, people who are like really close to us. And we have our kind of lifestyle routines. Um, you know, we're very grateful for the opportunities we've had here. And mm. I just don't see us moving, moving back anytime soon anyway. Because, you know, like UK isn't home for me. Um, I, I've always lived lived away and moved around um, through sport. And, you know, I went to I went to boarding school, and so I was I was used to being away. So, um, you know, and, uh, Becky's like family home and family moved. They moved down south, some of them. So it's like we're not all in one place anymore, anyway. So mm. I think when we thought about it, there's nowhere that we'd consider like home back in the UK anymore. Mm. So. Um, yeah, Dubai is there. And do your family all pretty much still live in, is it Dublin? Uh, Cork. Cork. Yeah. Yeah, yeah my parents uh, are still in Cork. Um, that's it. I mean, well, I have a half brother and half sister, but sister lives in New York and brothers in Germany. So. Oh, wow. Like everyone's spread out everywhere then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can see why you chose to make Dubai your new home. Yeah. So, uh, no, as I said, I've, I've always been used to being being away and always kind of wanted to travel and be, be away. So mm. uh, it's, it's normal for me. No, that makes sense. So coming back to bodybuilding. Yeah. So you started, am I right in saying, as you touched on earlier on, NABBA, and then moved into UK BFF. Is that right? Yeah, so I did NABBA, and then the second show I did was IFBB, uh, well, RABBF, which is the Irish version of the UK BFF. Mm-hmm. And um, I then didn't compete for a while. I moved to the UK and then started competing in the UK BFF. And then from there, just progressed up until you wanted... Did you move to the IFBB after um, UKBFF lost there? No, so I actually didn't. I did a show in... God, I can't remember what year it was. I did the British finals when I was like 20... 2015. And um, then we moved to Dubai. I didn't compete the following year. Didn't compete the following year. And then uh, classic physique came about, so I decided I'd do a do a show. Um, so I went to uh, New Zealand and then Ireland and didn't do very well. Um, and uh, then it was just after that show in Ireland I started working with Jay, and um, a year later went back to New Zealand and won my pro card there. And how did that feel when you? got awarded that pro card after having just from that little kind of summary sounds like quite an up and down successes and then change and like in your words not doing as well and then getting that pro kind of oh I've got that tick like yeah you've done it now you've 
you achieved it? To be honest, it, was, it wasn't actually even a goal of mine. Um, I never even considered turning pro as like uh, something I'd do. Um, you know, I went, went to that show in New Zealand purely just to be, to kind of be as good as I could have been. You know, I felt like the year before that, you know, I just was shit for want of a better word. And I wanted to kind of do myself proud and be better. Um, it was always just about being my best. And you know, I didn't go there thinking I'd turn pro or anything like that. It was kind of a shock to me. And if I'm honest, I think it was a shock to a lot of people because nobody really knew who I was or anything. Um, but yeah, it was a bit overwhelming. Um, because like it, I didn't think it would happen, and then it took me a while to kind of believe it. You know, it was kind of a bit like, oh shit. <laughs> and then I was like, what next? Just double checking that you still had that card like every other day, like, yeah, it's there, I've got it. Yeah, people would say something to me, and I'd be like, oh shit, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah definitely it was i think like coming from kind of the background i was and into bodybuilding by chance and in, in ireland it was never really ever a consideration to to turn pro or anything like that mm. and going forwards now that you have achieved that status is it still i mean i, I know you've said here and you've also said your your website as well that it doesn't matter whether you never competed again you would continue to live and breathe this lifestyle yeah but are you looking to continue and progress and have you got goals for a pro show um i'm always always looking to continue and progress like i have like physique goals that i want to achieve um and constantly like uh I'm not the greatest person for being like confident in myself or be like happy with what how I'm looking or so I always want to be better. I always see like where I could be better. Um, mm. And uh, then I think competing is just like another challenge, just like to set myself a goal to to do and see how good I can look. Um, so yeah, definitely I will be competing this year again. Um, sometime later in the year uh so and it's i'll just see how i do i've no no kind of expectations or anything like that on how i'll do it i know how i want to look and Mm. that's all i'm kind of focused on being better than uh, your last package yeah that and making the weight (laughs) yeah and (laughs) you kind of just mentioned there like you're you're never quite happy or satisfied why do you think that is? Um, could go down a whole, a whole, a whole, whole of things here to know. Uh, I I don't know. I've always, not, I've not been the most confident person in recent years, so um, it's very hard for me to, to kind of be happy with how I am. Mm. You know, I always kind of see the negatives of it, and so yeah, I guess. Hard to kind of explain it, but um, just, I don't know, I uh, kind of lost my train of thought. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I'd come is to it, I'm just not being the most confident person, I guess, you know, in, in who I am. And I'm working on that. Uh, yeah. So. 
I always find it interesting when someone like you, um, you come across confident. And I think what we touched upon before we started recording this is people's impressions. So um, people see you big bodybuilders and they're like, oh my God, he's so intimidating or he's arrogant or whatever it may be. And I was speaking to um, Paul the other day from My Lunchbox and uh, for those that don't know My Lunchbox Meal Prep, um, who we both work with, and he was like, oh, have you spoken to Darren on the podcast yet? And I was like, no, to be honest, like, I don't know what it is, but I, I, I feel intimidated. And he was like, why? He's like the nicest guy ever. And I, I just said, and it was interesting. He said, why? Because I think most people that I would speak to, not about you, but specifically male bodybuilders, I think they go, yeah, I can see that without even really delving into why that is. And when he actually asked me why, I said, why? I don't actually know. I've never spoken to him. And I've spoken to Bex, your wife, and I was like, yeah, Bex is lovely. So if she's lovely, then I'm sure he's <laughs> lovely. So but I thought it was interesting. And, and I wonder if perhaps people's perceptions kind of adds into that lack of confidence sometimes because you're always thinking, or you may or may not, I don't know, or well, what if this, or they might think that, or what's someone saying? And I think we can be our own worst enemies at times. And actually people aren't thinking negative things, but we assume that they must be, or he's not big enough or he's not got this, or he's, he's not done that lift or so-and-so stronger than him, or they're doing better in business or they seem happier or they're doing this or they have this. Yeah. I think for me, you know, um, going through what I've gone through, and everything like that, I got very good at putting off a facade, you know, that everything's fine, I'm all good. Um, you know, and I come from I come from a background with, where sport, where from a young age, I was always very popular. Um, people knew who I was. I was always massively confident. I captained most of the teams I was on. I was like the leader. And then when that all went away, it was like, a lack of identity. Um, so I, I, I guess I just, I tried to just give as little away as possible. Mm. You know, and I, again, it, it, what you're saying is right. I was always worried about what people thought of me and stuff, but not mainly because I just wasn't, wasn't confident in myself. And I always had these thoughts in my head, you know, you know I wasn't good enough. And, you know, I had all this going on and I didn't want people to know. So I, I would portray like, everything's all good, you know, I'm fine. You know, it's the total opposite inside. Mm. So. And I, I guess that can come across to a lot of people as, you know, arrogant or like not very approachable and stuff. But I, I, I liked it that way that people didn't get to know me, you know. It's very easy to say, I'm okay. I'm all good. Yes, yeah, fine. Like, and for women, I suppose you'd call it a resting bitch face. <laughs> but for, for guys I suppose if you really want to use that term you can do um but it is that kind of don't approach me and it's you almost think it's better if they think that you're unapproachable because then you get left alone yeah and like and like social media gives you this opportunity to just 
show what you want to show. And when you're not the most confident person and you're not doing well, you will want to show everyone that you are doing well. So you just mm. try it because you don't want people to like, you don't want everyone knowing how things really are for you, you know? Mm. And there's that sense of like shame and embarrassment, you know, that you're, you're not well and things like that. So it's, it's easier just to show what you think are the good things or portray the good things, you know, like physique update, you know, doing, you know, this, blah, 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 rather than, you know, what's really going on. And I think then people just get to, if that's all you show, that's all people get to know. And they, they just see you as this strong individual making progress, all of this stuff, and they don't know behind what's going on at all. And that's, you know, I think it's the case of everyone is, you know, you, you show what you want to show and, it's, and nobody wants to show the, the negatives. Mm. Yeah, I agree. It's very much a highlight reel. Um, mm. But when you have taken a, a beat and you've opened up and you've said something, probably more so than a lot of people, you get this overwhelming support. And I think that it's almost reassuring for people that feel a, a bit similar to you that, yeah. oh, actually, not everyone is okay. And this guy, I thought he had his shit together. And actually, he's, he's not all right at the moment. And if I think back to the first podcast I did with James Hollinshead, when he said, I'm not okay at the moment, I'm having some struggles. The, the amount of people that were like, oh, he's, he seems fine. So I think it's quite reassuring to people to hear that. I think there's everyone who goes through struggles or mental health battles or whatever. You first have this thought of like, what's wrong with me? And, you know, you think you're different and, you know, and, and everyone's, it's so like faux pas that nobody wants to talk about it. So they, they, everyone goes through that, like feeling of there's something wrong with them. And, you know, they they must, they must be like, they're doomed and all this. And they see the, then they see social media, all these people doing great and stuff. So it just mm-hmm. makes compounds it. So I think like the response and the general kind of feedback I get from people who like thank me for being open is it gives them hope that they can, you know, get out of it, do well. You know, the, you know I've managed to get to where I am today from where I was. You know, and that's not saying that I'm, I'm perfect and I'm great, but like you know, everyone has struggles. I still have struggles, but you know, you can you can work through them. You can still accomplish it quite a lot, you know. I think what you say there, and it's like it was interesting the way that you started saying good things, and then you instantly well, that's not to say that I'm actually doing good. And I'm it was mm-hmm. almost like you you got to a point of going, Yeah, I'm, I'm I like this and I like that, and I'm confident in this and I'm positive about that and you quickly swept out the way by going but I'm not saying I'm I'm doing well I'm not saying I'm I'm thriving but I think it's important to recognize like just as an outsider looking in and obviously I don't know you this is the first time we've spoken but you seem to have a wonderful relationship your business is doing very well just speaking with you now and the way that you talk about progression within yourself rather than putting the stage on a pedestal which I think a lot of people do um it's really refreshing to hear and to see and I think a lot of people can take a lot from that so 
Yeah, I I definitely wasn't like that before. For me before, it was all about like achieving something for status. Um, And one thing I've learned within myself in in order to be happy is I can't place happiness on an achievement. It has to be more on an internal achievement, you know, something, otherwise you're, you're setting yourself up for failure because God, it's the end of the world if your happiness is placed on winning something and you, chances are like, you're not always going to win them. Yeah. Whereas if you set them or set yourself a goal and do everything towards it just to be your best, well, you can't not win unless, well, you look at yourself and you, you realize you didn't put everything in, but you are a lot better chance of being being happy and achieving what you want to achieve if if your goals are all internally internally based rather than especially within bodybuilding so many people put their like it's like oh, i have to win the show and i'm like you could be the very best and still not win because in the day you're putting your happiness in someone else's hands and yeah well, we all know the judges don't make the best decisions sometimes yeah. <laughs> so um you know you're, you, you it's not the best way to be you know you're putting all of your progression that you've made over eight or six, 12, 18 months, whatever it might be, or years on two minutes on one day with yeah. people you've never met. And I find it really interesting with Woody building that we don't like to be judged by anyone and we don't like people to pass comment, but when it's three to five strangers from <laughs> one federation who we've never met, know nothing about us, and they take one look and judge us, we just, we let that happen. And then we put, like you say, all of our hopes and dreams on that one moment and then wonder why we feel a little bit crushed when maybe we don't get the result that we'd hoped for. Obviously, if you're like, everyone wants to win. So there's going to be, if you don't win, there's going to be that disappointment, but you have to still be able to take the positives from it and realize like, you know, these last 16 weeks, I've achieved something that many can't. I've, you know, I look the best I've ever looked. Oh, you know that's why I always joke that like I always get asked by people do you prefer like working with you know competitors or lifestyle people I'm like well lifestyle person you get them to lose three four kilo and they're like down down a couple of sizes and it's like they've won the bloody Olympics they're delighted with life you know a, a bodybuilder loses like 20, 15 kilo gets on stage peels his peels the bones and comes second and he's like shit it doesn't work <laughs> you know <laughs> so, so true uh, like when health you, look at, you know <laughs> most people outside of like bodybuilding look at normal like a person who just doesn't know anything about it would look at them and see how they look from 16 weeks out they look and be like you know that's like mind-blowing yeah <laughs> i think it's important to remember it, the phrase gets thrown around a lot but it's true the one percent yeah and Something I've talked about with a few of the um, gents that have joined this series is I use this phrase of marinating. So like we are constantly moving the goalposts and we don't take time to sit in our successes and reflect upon them. As soon as we achieve it, what's next? Yeah, it's 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 both good and it's bad because it's what gives you that that constant drive and what, what allows you to be better and better and better. But at some point that will lead to you just never achieving anything. Mm. You know, if you don't look at, you know, what you have achieved. Mm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I think that's, that's 
it's interesting to hear and I I would I'm intrigued to say like if someone's listening to this at the moment whether they are a bodybuilder or not whether they're male female whatever it is and they feel that way they feel like they're just not getting anywhere and maybe they're not confident in themselves and they're looking at people's successes and feeling like they're behind what would you say to them everyone's successes are different you know some people would look at their lives and think shit they've got so much Mm. wife they've got kids you know it's you've got to I guess it sounds very I don't know and I used I used to be like this because Becky used to say to me all the time when I was really bad like you've got so much going for you you do have to sit back and look at it from almost someone else's perspective of everything you do have rather than constantly looking at what you don't have because you know at the end of the day we all don't have something you know it's always something you want to achieve but there's plenty of things in your life that are great and you just just think like it could be a lot worse you know Mm. know, there's people go through life completely alone you know they, they have illnesses things like this and we're all so caught up on, oh, that person has more money than me, or that person, they look better than me. Well, you've got a hell of a lot going for you still. You, know? mm. you can always change that. You know, don't be don't be worried about it. Just be active in what you're doing and make it really happy that you want to have it. She seems like a massive influence on every aspect of your life and the two of you have a very open relationship in the sense of you're very um like affectionate and like you'll say like if one of you's done something really well you'll really hype each other which I love you've got to love to see each other hyping each other like that um but how do you feel about that kind of openness on social media because some people shy away from sharing their relationships and they're like no this is purely a business platform um i think it's, it's just how you are whatever i've always been i'm not embarrassed about my life and about who i am and what i have you know i'm proud of like, everything that we've achieved and at the end of the day like we, we always say it's like it's you and me from like it's us so someone i'm not really concerned if someone doesn't like it or you know they think we're stupid or just whatever you know and i prefer to be honest and show me and us and for anyone that does feel that way that they don't they want to treat like you'll be much more people will engage with you much more and treat you as being real if you show them real Mm. so what flexing on instagram showing like the good things or whatever so what people just be like cool here another one whereas show them something real that's relatable and you'll find you'll build much better relationships and much you'll engage with people who are actually like you yeah you know um you attract what you put out there is what you attract so I'm, i'm glad that the people who engage with me and like me are all you know similar like family people things that you know and so just just social media like yeah it's gone gone away where everyone wants to build their businesses on it and stuff but well first thing we're always taught is if you want to be successful do do something real be like make it genuine so Mm -hmm. be genuine on what you show i guess 
dare I say as well sorry who I am today is built on us so (laughs) if people want to see me and want to know where I am how I am today it's 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 because of us I mean no one can see this because I'm not recording the visuals but I have a massive smile on my face because I think that is like you say about flexing on showing oh I've got this I've got that but you can look at it two ways can't you because to me having that absolute that like you say family and and having a wife and a husband that love each other and everything else that's a flex to me like there aren't many people that have that and I'm sure that everyone listening to you speak about how important that she is to you and and how much you care for each other and just putting it out there and being real and I think that everyone would like to hear that and and I'm sure there are a lot of people that wouldn't say it but that wish that they had that you can have as many cars and shiny things and whatever you want to call it but at the end of the day the, the phrase that always sticks with me like you can't take it with you yeah you know, at the end of the day, you can you can have all of those things and it can be there, but you know, having someone you enjoy their company and being around, like you know, when when social media is turned off, people are away and you're behind closed doors. So I prefer to be behind closed doors and someone I love and care about than sat there on my own, you know. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, but no, that's that's really refreshing to hear, and it's it's lovely to see as well. So I don't think anyone thinks about it negatively either. So please keep sharing <laughs> and please keep hyping each other because it's, you love to see it. Like yeah. that, that relationship, you two are absolute goals. So um, please keep sharing that. Yeah. So um, I'm conscious of taking up too much of your time. And um, I have two more questions, which I've asked every chap that has joined this series. Um, so... The first one is, if you look back over your whole life, is there anything that you regret or that you would change? Or if you could, you might have done it differently. Mm, No, because I guess, and this is something I kind of thought about a lot lately, the, the good things and the bad things are what have shaped me today. And they've allowed me to have the perspectives I have, the thoughts I have, um, the feelings I have, you know, so everything good and bad in my past is brought me to where I am now. So, no, I don't regret anything. Yeah, I'm fully on the same page as you with that. I think every bad thing happens for a reason and brings us to, makes us the people we are today. Um, so, yes, I'm very much with you on that. And most people try and find something and they're like, uh, well, I, I went on a night out and I drank too much. Like <laughs> they're desperately trying to find something they would change. Um, and lastly, you are known as Darren Farrell, IFBB pro, businessman, husband. But what would you want to be remembered for? I'd just like to be remembered as being a good, honest person, you know. Um, whether that's uh, nothing, I don't care about like having massive successes, or I just like to be remembered like people remember me fondly. You know, he was a good guy. <laughs> I think that's a good way to be remembered. And 
if anyone was starting this podcast with the thought that I was, I was like, he's a little bit intimidating. (laughs) Um, I, I love the fact that I've been able to speak to a lot of guys on here that I would have never had the opportunity to speak to otherwise, because I've sat here smiling, listening to your story for the last hour. And I've learned so much about you that I would have never, ever known had I had not sent you a message and gone, can I ask you deep (laughs) questions into your life, even though I've never met you and everything else. Um, But yeah, I think it would be really good. And I think that it's nice that someone's had the opportunity to listen to this, get to know you a little better. And possibly if they did have any kind of thoughts of what they thought you might have been like that they would have been completely turned on their head right now also <laughs> I think so um and I hold my hands up I love being proved wrong so <laughs> I'm glad that we had this conversation so thank you very much no, thank you very much for having me on no not a problem and if anyone was looking for you and they, they weren't following you where can they find you uh, Instagram is probably the easiest place. So it's just my name and then underscore I feel you Okay. Lovely. Nice thank you very much. And thank yeah. you for speaking to me because it's very, very late for you there now. So I appreciate your time and I hope that um I hope that you get a, an early-ish night, midnight, <laughs> I think now. Um yes. and yes. Probably a while, yeah. <laughs> um Anyone that has listened to this and has enjoyed it, please pop us on your story. Let us know what you think. And uh, I'm sure if you drop Darren a message, he would endeavour to get back to you. Definitely. Absolutely. Thank you very, very much for joining me. No problem. Thank you very much.